0: Hello and welcome to the very first episode of If You're Happy, Do You Know It? My name is Al Clayton, I'm in my 30s, I'm married and I run a film production company called Turtle Canyon Media from where we'll be recording this podcast. Um, I like the idea of putting together a podcast, exploring what it means to be happy in modern society and basically I'll be just chatting informally to different guests about their take on happiness, what it means to be happy and so on. Uh, this first episode was recorded somewhat spur of the moment, as my first guest um, actor and political activist, Nicola Thorpe, happened to be in my office. Um, and as you'll hear, I hadn't actually come up with a name for the show yet, or really much of a format, but I think it was went pretty well. Anyway, thanks for listening, and as with everything these days, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe for more, and please do consider leaving us a review or a rating. Thank you and enjoy the very first episode of If You're Happy, Do You Know It. So, hi Nicola Thorpe.
1: Hi I Clayton.
0: Um, thanks for coming in, getting on the, the ride of this podcast, which I don't it's even yet have a name for, but by the time anyone listens...
1: <laughs> I look forward to hearing what it is. There will be a name.
0: <laughs> I thought I was going to call it, If You're Happy and You Blow It, but that sounds like oral sex. But, <laughs> not, but it's not meant... I was like... Because I was like, if you're happy, and then you screw it up.
1: And you screw it up. Oh, like, see, I was either thinking oral sex or cocaine.
0: And see, I wasn't thinking either, either though. <laughs> and then someone else was like, no, you can't say
1: that. If you're I'm happy, you blow it. Eve. No, I'm, I think that's an amazing title.
0: How about If You're Happy, Do You Know It?
1: If you're happy, do you know it? Clap your hands.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. No, I like the, I like your original one. No, it's too... No, it's, but now you've well, said blow it. I'm thinking about is... is
0: but then it's not really about blowing it. Or is it? <laughs> it's really about... It depends about,
1: what, how, what we talk about.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I just wanted to explore with lots of people I know, most of whom are in similar industries sure. to us, which is entertainment.
1: Yelp. So um, emotionally unstable. Yeah, yeah, speaking.
0: like every everyone. <laughs> I feel like everyone I know. It's not in our industry, really. But I just feel like that's where... It'll probably come from because that's where we are.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I like the idea of exploring, like, what is it to be a happy person? (laughs) And is that a constant thing? Is it not? I think everyone more than ever is, like, on a desperate need to either be it or present themselves as it.
1: Sure. Yeah, present themselves being the key thing. Yeah. The advent of social media
0: but i also feel like people are not happy most of the time
1: yeah i agree real life yeah people are starting to talk about it more it doesn't mean that it's becoming necessarily uh, an epidemic it's just well you know people are discussing how they feel and i think people are becoming more aware of their own state of happiness and other people's happiness as well yeah um and it's that finding a balance between you know what's what's real yeah and what's temporary and what's perhaps permanent
0: yeah mm. i think that's uh
1: can happiness be exactly. permanent i don't think so. i think
0: if i think if it was we wouldn't know what it was right if it was yeah. a permanent thing how would you know that you were happy sure that's probably the case of anything if you were yes. if sadness was permanent
1: yeah how would you know any difference that's a very very good point um And weirdly, you're talking to me at probably... Maybe I'm blowing this too soon. Yeah. But uh, the happiest point that I've ever have been at.
0: Well, that's an excellent uh, kicking off point. Yeah. Because I was going to ask you, what makes you happy? Do you know?
1: Um, What makes me happy, generally, is probably... mm, I've done a lot of self-reflection over the past couple of years. I've...
0: loads of mirrors everywhere. Loads of mirrors. Yeah,
1: like like a hall of mirrors. I've been, yeah, reflecting on that and what does keep me happy. And it's weirdly a lot more trivial than I thought it would be. I thought it would be super, like, soul-searchy. Okay, here we go. My entire life, I believed that being happy was going to be meeting somebody. Uh My whole existence pretty much up until a year ago was in the pursuit of... A partner, that would be the final puzzle piece. Mm -hmm. That thing that, sort of narratively, we've been told since we were kids of in all the songs, in all the books. Particularly girls are told, you know, this is what you're, you should be searching for. And in my head, I was always like, okay, if I meet this person or whatever, then everything's gonna fall into place. Then I'm gonna have a great career. Then I'm gonna be financially stable. I'm gonna be great with my friends. All this stuff. and that led me to misery. Wow. Ultimately.
0: Yeah.
1: um, Because I was then trying to, you know, force a square peg into a, the other way around, I can't remember which way around. Yeah, no, No, square (laughs) Square peg, round hole. hole, That kind of thing. Um, And yeah, I, I was failing miserably at it. And weirdly, for each year of my life, that I, after I, first had my first boyfriend i wouldn't judge periods of time in terms of you know oh that was 2016 or that was 2003 it would be oh that's when i was with joe yeah. oh that was the james years that yeah. was peter um and that was really disturbing i, I would look back and go oh yeah post education so actually when i left drama school i can judge how my life was for like you know gsses a levels drama school and then after that it was according to who I was with. Wow. Which is really strange. I couldn't tell you what happened in 2012. I just know that that was the James slash Michael year.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> Isn't that messed up?
0: I don't know that it's messed up. I think it's probably more common than... Yeah. So, not common, but like, it's probably like a lot of people would think in that way.
1: Yeah. It was just um, the fact that I wasn't aware of it.
0: But yeah, the fact that you're yeah. aware of it is probably more uncommon.
1: Yes. And it was there was a big uh, moment of realisation, I think, where I went, okay... Maybe just maybe I should try and be in the pursuit of happiness rather than partner first. I should try and yeah. achieve that on my own. And so I went about things entirely differently. And it, I can safely say it—you know—changed my life.
0: Um, can you talk me through a bit? Of, <laughs> yeah. like, was it was that like a conscious thing? Like I am not happy doing this. And so now I'm going to do something else. Or did you just relinquish the, the pursuit and then it kind of things start to fall into place? Do you
1: feel like? Um, I feel like I crashed and burned right. a little bit. I'd come out of drama school. I was not getting the jobs that I wanted to get. I was going, I could start, I started to see a pattern in failed relationships and it always came down to the same thing. So my, um, kind of conclusion was well maybe it actually is me now don't get me wrong I've dated some assholes but I w- was the one who was choosing them yeah so therefore I was the one choosing weirdly to be unhappy in these unhappy relationships and then I yeah I got to a point where just to like delve into the deep end I had essentially what was a um, like a breakdown I was very very depressed I was hospitalized I was you know completely out of control Mm -hmm. and for about two years um I was you know going from different types of medication therapy counseling whatever and then I ended up realizing that ultimately what I was doing with my life didn't make me happy now obviously I'm not saying that my depression didn't exist, it did exist. And it does now. I'm still very much prone to anxiety, depression, but I could have a better handle on it because I changed the circumstances within my life. So instead of waiting for certain acting jobs to come along, I would try to go and get them or create them or just have a different outlook on that. Um, and instead of getting into the same old relationships, I tried to, you know, just care for myself a little bit more <laughs> rather than, hopping from one thing to the next to try and fill a void um yeah i guess that was so that was that was the the james michael year of (laughs) of 2012 the only reason i know it's 2012 is because the olympics was on as well other than that it's a kind of gray mush but
0: i think it's an interesting thing i'm just going to say this i'm going to interrupt you because i'll forget it otherwise the thing that you say and you've kind of been a bit negative about is that idea of framing life eras around relationships Mm. maybe it is a bad thing but Mm. maybe you're being a bit harsh on yourself perhaps because when you get into a relationship you all we do is like tell a story about our lives right it's like Mm. that's our lives are a story and like your version of it is different to my version of your story and yeah all of these things but like all life is is just kind of made up of moments and memories and things that you've done. So, in order to like anchor those memories to something, a number is much less kind of
1: yeah, that's emotionally
0: true. responsive than the person you were sharing those moments with. That's so, like if you're true. talking about the Olympics, you're like, okay, I remember sharing moments of watching some the of opening the ceremony with, with this person, yeah, a person. So. I I get why, like you definitely, I definitely probably don't think it's healthy to have been (laughs) defining yourself by which man happened to be for a feminist as well. Yeah,
1: I I looked back and went, "Oh my god, I've literally defined every year of my life since leaving education by what, whichever man I was with." Yeah, but you're right; it shouldn't be replaced with a number. But what I did instead was I wanted to replace it with jobs or pursuits of different endeavors. So there was like. When I became politically active and got involved in certain campaigns and stuff, I was like, "Oh, that was 2016 mm-hmm. when I did those things." 2017 was when I was, you know, working on TV and I was doing this particular job or whatever. Um, which is, yeah, so that's that's a good thing.
0: So, for those readers who don't know, <laughs> um, your political activity is uh, something that certainly everyone. Who's a friend of yours is very very proud of you for Aww. getting involved in, and we're like, so, like I hope I speak for most mutual friends that mm-hmm. we're like so in awe of how you've kind of just taken the reins on a thing I hope and made think that. genuine okay, so change oh. in policy, and like s- sparked a super debate, mm. which like a lot of idiots on the other side of it keep saying their stuff, but they'll die, so it's they'll fine. die, um, see. <laughs> and that's fine. But uh, if you could just kind of explain a bit about that, because sure. you definitely walked into it accidentally in a pair of flat shoes. Flat shoes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. So it was um, around about Christmas time in uh, 2015 that I, I was working in between acting jobs just as a temporary like receptionist doing hospitality roles. And I turned up to one particular job wearing what I would normally wear, which was like, suit jacket trousers and flat shoes and it was my first day at this particular site and they said look you can't work here unless you wear high heels and I said well that's ridiculous because the, the male colleague that I was introduced to he was wearing smart flat shoes I was wearing smart flat shoes I didn't see the problem and they said look we're going to send you home unless you go to m and around the corner and buy yourself a pair of shoes I was like no
0: I think we should just establish as well that you're not a short person. Oh no, so I'm it like wasn't five, like 10. Look, we need people to be able to see we over the t- desk, all right? <laughs> and uh this 4 foot I 10 know. woman walking <laughs> like, she
1: needs to be taller yeah, to be visible. Yeah. She no, i to floor. I'm well visible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Which yeah. is like just and also which is what made it more confusing to me, I think it's because I generally don't really wear high heels. Anyway, it's never been part of my wardrobe apart from maybe a night out. So for me I was like I don't get why you want me to wear these. It was just, it seemed so hilarious. And I laughed. I remember laughing at this, this woman, because it was a woman who fired me. Um, and she mm. just said, mm. I, I said, well, I, th- I think that's sexist. And she, she laughed in response to that. And she went, you know, oh, don't play that card. And I was like, well, no, it's not a card. It's just, it, it is true. You're, you're forcing me to wear something that's unnecessary th- for the job. Anyway, I got sent home and I was really angry and upset and I thought this can't be right so I I went on Cas's website okay. uh not to be confused with UCAS because I <laughs> initially did google that um yeah I did you know.
0: actually if I remember correctly you texted me just when you walked out ba- you called me yeah because you knew my dad was a lawyer yeah I know. and you were like what I don't I do? know what I'm going to do. What am I going to do, do this? about this? And God, think, yes. This yeah. is all going
1: flooding back to me. Because
0: then I called him. I was like... What can she... And he just went, well, that's just illegal. Like,
1: yeah, exactly. Kill them.
0: Have them killed. Have them killed. <laughs> yeah. That's the law.
1: Legally, yeah. <laughs> um, so, I yeah, I googled um, what the law was on it, and there was... It was, there was a massive gray area basically when it comes to employment law. Cause at the end of the day, if you want to take an employer to tribunal, at the time you had to shell out 1200 quid, had, you had to wait up to 28 weeks for a decision, blah, 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 blah. But I didn't actually do anything about it for five months. And it was only when I got into a conversation with another colleague at a different reception role and she said she'd had the same thing. I went, look, ah, oh, I've had enough of this. I'm going to start a petition. So I did to try and change the law even though it's a common misconception, people think that it is currently legal to force someone to wear high heels. It's not. It's just the law isn't clear enough. So it isn't implemented well enough. Mm. So my campaign was to um, not just clarify dress code laws, but to clarify discrimination law in the workplace. So a lot of people might remember this story as being like the high heel story. But it was always to me about much more than that. It was about um, an, employee, an employee's rights in the workplace mm. against discrimination so yeah I set up a petition and then within 72 hours it got 150,000 signatures so it went a bit viral and people were talking about it and then uh, yeah it ended up being there was an inquiry in parliament into dress code policy and workplace discrimination and then it was debated uh, the issue was debated in government so that was yeah all the beginning of last year that that happened
0: wow I mean, yeah, I remember.
1: You remember the day. I remember it all very well. I remember well. it because yeah. you were the only person, this still makes me, like, get choked up, you were the only person who called me to see if I was okay. Oh, <laughs> man. I'm getting teary now. Because because it went mental, didn't it? It was like, I was, that my photo was suddenly all over the newspapers and stuff, and there's this, oh, my God, this, Ah, uh, this will haunt me to the day I die, but that, in photo of me holding one high heeled shoe oh, and yeah. one flat yeah, shoe. Yeah. <laughs> one of my best mates texted me and said, It looks like you've invented high heels. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've come up with a n- way this. to look taller. A, yeah. Yeah. It
1: is a so clever invention for short females. Um, anyway, so that went all over and it was so overwhelming. And I remember you were the only person who called me and went, Mate, you're okay. Like, yeah. and I just remember being like, No. I don't know what I've got myself into because like the way that particularly, I think women are treated in the press can be really difficult. Yeah. Um, But But also you were,
0: you went from like, is this really quite specific and personal thing that's happened to me that you took on and went, fuck that. I'm changing things. Yeah. Knowing full well that, People are horrible. Yes. And if they're on social media, they're even, they're like 10 times worse. They're
1: yeah, they're, they are the worst.
0: And then all of a sudden it was like, this happened. And it was months after, like you said, it was months yeah, after yeah. the actual thing had happened. So for me it was like, oh, I hope something got sorted with that. And then suddenly it was happening. And all that I could think of was um, just knowing you well enough to go, yeah. well, I, this isn't what Nick... Didn't want to do this because she wanted everyone to pay attention to her, no. and immediately, like, there was articles about, okay. like, oh, turns out she's an a a failing yeah, actor. A failing actor. And so she's this is to get... just to get her profile up. And I was okay, like, of Oh my god, uh, this is going to be really upsetting her, quite likely. So yeah, yeah. Just if I like anything, it was going to be. I wasn't detrimental. trying to be
1: no a hero was, in any way. I was just no, like, oh was, man,
0: I would feel so. I just
1: really remembered concerned. that because you oh. you actually called me and went, "You okay?" Because I think there's this. Misconception about I think people in general um, that particularly people in the public eye, which I wasn't then, but have sort of become more so
0: yeah.
1: because of the campaign and because of Coronation Street. So there's this misconception that okay, well they can deal with it. Mm. Even like even my like because I I was on Good Morning Britain a few weeks ago and was debating with Piers Morgan about sexism of all people. Um
0: yeah it's kind of like it's like debating salt with a slug. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's like what's the point? <laughs> what was the
1: point? Yeah. But that you know I, and that was that and then you know there was like a social media thing every every time Piers Morgan has an argument with somebody there's like a big spike in social media about that particular issue yeah. and so I was very active that day and then I remember getting home that night and I saw my my boyfriend and he just said to me like Oh are you are you okay? And the whole day I've been super super strong and fine and I just was like no. Mm. Because as much as you believe in what you're talking about, you know that it's not necessarily that you're right, but that you're speaking from experience and you feel passionately about something. And I'm like I don't give a toss about what Piers Morgan thinks really, mm. but he that day he tweeted a photo of me. Um at a red carpet event where I had, like, a low-cut dress yeah. on. Yeah, oh, yeah. And the that. caption was, here's Little Miss, stop objectifying me. And I was like, fuck. Somebody who has 7 million followers who mm. is, like, all over global media has tweeted a photo of me essentially saying that I was asking for it. Yeah, yeah. And that was a real, like, not just personal moment. It felt like b- bullying, but it is, in the, on a global bullying. Yeah. scale. Yeah, cyberbullying like,
0: oh. with an with a audience of... Of millions. Fucking everyone.
1: Yeah, and then that ended up...
0: Like, who does this filth think he is? I am... Yeah. It, because also, you could almost, and I don't agree with this, but you could almost argue that... And you couldn't You couldn't actually argue it, but people would. Yeah. You could argue that there is a gladiatorial kind of spectacle about shows like that where mm. they put him... This is why they give Katie Hopkins a show, because it's like, well, there's entertainment in sure a, a buffoon saying stupid stuff and we all like i mean it's why there's a president like that as well, well yeah look look
1: what they did with the apprentice the guys who made the apprentice in america thought that it was hilarious they yeah. made it look stupid because they thought the american people would laugh at trump yeah, yeah. and who's got the last laugh it's like yeah actually people exactly. buy it and so i think that producers who make these shows you know pierce morgan's not the enemy he's he's not dangerous himself as it were like that's the people not.
0: who yeah
1: he's not he himself is not it's the people who give him the platform
0: but that's where i felt like on that particular one there was a line so crossed that it was like okay this is just, this is just awful now because like you know what you're signing up for when someone says to you can you come on good morning britain <laughs> and talk about this you could say no yeah. But you know that you were going on to have another fight with Pierce because, like, there's there is an important thing to say, but mm. there's also a level of it's a tabloid TV show where sure. we're going to have a fight for they a bit of entertainment. They want you to be controversial. But once it goes to ad break and you leave the studio, oh. that's enough, right? The fact that he went, I'm going to take, I'm going to make this a personal attack. Yeah, means that. I mean, I mean, just means that. I don't think he should be fired. I don't think he should be blocked from Twitter because I disagree with the kind of like, oh, just censorship. turn everything off that's up that's upsetting or yeah. offending people. But I think like genuinely, everyone needs to go on daily and take him down because yeah. he is he's decided to take that position of being the controversial guy on the sure. TV show. Beyond that, and to attack you as a person, it's
1: like it, it's a cancer, isn't it? It just it starts infecting everything that every sort of aspect of not just social media but then what people are talking about what one particular part of that interview um which i found interesting so basically i was um i'd written an article about sexism on the red carpet not- which was amazing you should read it thank you. by the way Go- google it <laughs> google it i don't have the link right now but that was a Can great you do audio article. links yeah. thank you um but it was it wasn't just um sexism on the red carpet but sexism in how red carpet reports are written Mm -hmm. and then how that can then affect both men and women so it's essentially would be saying that you know women would read these articles and go oh that's an acceptable way to be spoken about men would read it and say that's an acceptable way to speak about women Mm -hmm. i go on the program and um they say like oh so the tagline so i'm having like they've Put makeup on you, whatever you're sitting in the chair, and the producer comes in and say, "Oh, Nicola, um, so just let you know, uh, this is what we're going to talk about." And I, and I always say, "What's the headline? Like, what's the title on the screen?" Because you could go on and say, "Like, yeah. Nicola Thorpe thinks uh, pedophilia is great or something," and you wouldn't yeah. know what the tagline yeah, was on the screen. It. So it could. So I said, "What is the tagline?" She went, "Oh, so it says uh, Coronation Street actress says photographers should be banned." And I was like, "Right, well, I didn't, s- I didn't yeah. say, <laughs> yeah. I didn't say that actually. Part of the article." um I was uh, talking about upskirting, mm. not just um, members of the public doing it, but the fact that photographers, so that night I was, the night in question was the soap awards, I was getting into one of the cars and there was a photographer who shoved um, a camera down my top to try and get a photo of my boob.
0: Was it the left or the right? Uh, it was my right, it was my right boob. It was my best boob. The best boob. Yeah,
1: it was my best boob. Uh, he wouldn't have cared if I was on the driver's side. Um, <laughs> <laughs> trust me.
0: That's what you need to do. Just drive yourself. Just sure drive, you drive yourself everywhere.
1: Yourself.
0: Yeah. <laughs> They'd all get left boob, and I
1: wouldn't care. <laughs> and the, the funny thing was, it was when I was putting my seatbelt on. It was like this weird sort of symbolic thing of me tra- like strapping myself in for safety, and then this guy just waiting for like the buckle to catch on my oh. nipple or something. I don't know. It was bizarre. Then at the end of the awards, I come back, I'm a bit tipsy, and we'd won best soap, having a great time. I'm there with my boyfriend, my mum and my dad, my mum and my dad. Yeah. And we get out of the car and the same fucking thing happens. This photographer like just jumped on me, and I was like, what the hell is what, what the hell is this? I'm not used to that. Yeah. I, I don't know what this is. Um, and they followed us, and like my my dad and and Charlie had to get in between me and the photographer. Um Which is, again, as like a feminist, you go, yeah, I can stand up for myself. But you start to realise that the more you fight it, the more you uh, like physically, I don't know, they're just going to print those photos. And they did. They printed some of them, which Mm. is awful. But so I speak about this on Good Morning Britain. And he says, Piers Morgan goes, oh, well, no one's arguing with you about that. You know, it's absolutely outrageous that women should have um, cameras shoved down their top, shoved up their skirt. So the audience go. Okay, yeah, well done Piers. Piers mm-hmm. has got a conscience. He's you know, he's this moral he's got moral fibre. And I went, Well n- no, you you've paid photographers to do this, like yeah. for decades. Yeah. But the audience, you know, we the audience watch it and go, oh, Okay, well he's got you there, Nicola. He's agreed with one thing, but yeah so you know people
0: which is which is bullshit because it's the moral equivalent of a racist saying i'm not racist i've got a black mate called tony and he's really nice to me exactly but there's 20 years of him being a racist before (laughs) the air. precisely
1: i just couldn't believe that i was on with him and that dinosaur neil wallace from them from the news of the world but i think you know we're talking about happiness i guess for for me a big part of of what I campaign for or against is part of my greater sense of happiness as mm-hmm. well. Um, it makes me happy, I guess at the end of the day to feel like I've done something that I believe in every day or stood up for something. So there's that element to it. But there's also an element of like, I feel sad that this shit goes on. Yeah. I feel a sense of deep unhappiness mm-hmm. and it's, it is ingrained in so much to the point where, you know, people I care about the most, like my, my dad, my brother, the men that are closest to me, they'll say certain things and I go, that's made me feel really unhappy. Yeah. But it's not because you mean it or you meant to make me feel unhappy. Mm-hmm. It's because you just think that that's okay because you've never had to question it. And that's a big part of why I talk so much about sexism and about, um, you know, not just action, but language that we use, acceptable behavior, that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's really fed, um, I guess, everything. Like yeah. I've written articles, I do campaigning stuff, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that is, I guess, a way of achieving happiness in a sense. It definitely came hand in hand with my um, two years ago kind of epiphany moment mm. of oh there is another way yeah it's like an enlightenment yeah as it were do you feel
0: like um actually we talked we'll go back a little bit on to get into the next sort of question really mm. um you talked about you've been put on a bunch of medication for all this stuff yes. you're happy to talk about that yes I am. um what have you had what's worked what hasn't <laughs> do you feel like i think because all right, so. Depression mm. is obviously uh, a big thing. It's very much talked about as kind of an antithesis of happiness, which I don't necessarily agree that it is. I, I agree think with it's you, yeah. much more complicated than that. Right. Um, there is a, a philosopher who I cannot remember the name of except <laughs> Jeff. Edit it in. Yeah. Jeff Foster. He does have a really lovely um, take on the word depressed. Whereas if you break it down, it's um, it sounds like deep rest, Ooh. which is um, which really hit me as a thing of like, yeah, that's kind of how it I feels. feel when I have like a bout of depression yeah. is I feel like I'm in need of severe downtime, yeah, and that my body and mind can't do any more.
1: Sure,
0: and he expands on the idea of like it being kind of like I was saying earlier, we're always like telling a story about what our life is and more and more I think it's more tangible these days of like we're constantly on the go. Um, mm. This especially is probably the case because our culture celebrates extroversion a lot more than introversion perhaps. Yeah, yeah Um it does. But like you're always kind of having to sell who you are all the time. You're always having to promote a thing or you're always having to just live this version of a life all the time, and eventually you have to take a rest from it because yeah. our brains just aren't actually built that way, like that you can't just keep that up forever. No. So you have to take a rest.
1: That's a really interesting way and of looking
0: at yeah, it. Yeah, and I, I really like that because I do think that there is, there is serious illness, yeah. but I also think that the way... Depression, uh, a lot of mental health issues are defined uh, Mm. by what's not normal, inverted commas, Um, but no one's normal because everyone is different. So, like, it's a weird thing where I've come to, like, go, oh, I'm so depressed today, I literally can't, I'm so exhausted, I can't move, I can't do anything, I can't think of any words, I can't Mm. do any of that stuff. Uh, And I hate it at the time. It's like so debilitating and so upsetting. Mm. And then when you come out of it, you're going, oh, I'm glad I had that. Needed that. I liked it a little bit. And also I usually come up with a good idea for a film or something. Yeah,
1: that you turn it into like some sort of creative outlet. And I often worry about, because I guess most of my friends, and the people I talk to about this kind of thing, have a creative Mm. outlet. But yeah, they're obviously the majority of people maybe... Uh, don't have that yeah um I've certainly found that coming out of bouts of depression um creating something making something has worked and that I guess in a way is a silver lining yeah and I think there's loads of instances of that throughout history when people have written about depression and that kind of thing that something's come out of it but
0: so I I sorry coming back to the question I started to ask (laughs) based on that is that um I've always uh, avoided medicating interesting yeah, because what if it just levels it out?
1: oh, so it's like you don't want much. to dull your
0: yeah, and I know that's probably like an unhealthy thing
1: in <laughs> no, some it, ways it's interesting because i've because i've I've spoken quite a lot through various different um channels on mental health awareness and my own sort of experiences of it and i'll i never i've always said i never talk about specifics of medication because people end up thinking oh that's what i need or whatever and you know it becomes like a a trend thing if people talk about it but i have been medicated i have i'm now not i have nothing Mm -hmm. um i think that there is definitely a need for certain people or certainly for me Look, I can only speak for myself. Yeah, so exactly. For me.
0: Hopefully that's a given, but you're right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not necessarily
1: yeah, a given sometimes, yeah. but because I certainly read articles. I remember reading an article about Frankie Bridge, you know, the, the Saturdays. Yes, yeah, yeah. Married to Wayne Bridge. I remember reading that she had like, um, she had a meltdown. <laughs> that's not the PC term to use, but over like what flavor yogurt <sighs> her husband had bought or something. And I remember being like, oh God, that's me. And then, I was like, what medication is she on? Because she seems fine now. Mm. And I read the end of the article and she said, oh, I will never discuss what medication right. I was on. And I'm so glad I read that because I think if I had read, oh, she was on such and such a pill, I probably would have taken it.
0: Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I
1: would yeah. have thought about it or wanted it or something. Um, but yeah, I did go through, I went through two years of being quite, well, I one year of being quite heavily medicated. Um, I was misdiagnosed with bipolar disorder. Um, I think that was because uh, generally as a person I'm quite manic anyway yeah. and full of energy and that was uh, assumed to be a manic episode whereas actually since then certainly the treatment I've had since all the doctors that I've spoken to said, oh, you just seem like you've got anxiety depression. Yeah, Your manic states are I think just you but I get that and to be, to be honest that year when I was really heavily medicated I... I did feel like I lost my personality. Mm. But I was at a state where I needed to be I guess slowed down because the rate that I was going I would have, you know, probably not been alive <sighs> if I hadn't wow. taken those those steps. Mm. Um but certainly, you know, I don't think anyone wants to be on medication forever. Some people need to be. Mm. Um you know, but there's there's so little research and it all depends on, like, your category. Like, I remember I was... One doctor who saw me, he was doing trials or, like, a, a thesis or whatever you call it, doctorate, I don't know, on um, the effects of bipolar disorder in women. And I found this out after. So then I was like, did he just diagnose me with bipolar disorder because he needed a case study? Um,
0: on... <laughs> I wonder if it's not even a conscious thing, but like we all as human beings uh, have like confirmation bias about everything we do oh, every cool. single day. So if what you do and what your life's work is, is about that, about bipolar and women, exactly. and a woman comes with symptoms that may kind of fit, may fit that. Yeah. Even if it's never a conscious thing of like, I need a thing. Totally. You just. Surely you see it. Doctors are still human beings and yeah. infallible. Like, until we get a robot that can accurately diagnose things.
1: Sure.
0: And there's no specific diagnosis. I mean, there's some sort of brain pattern stuff you can do with MRIs, but I, even then, it's not sort of provable that that is, okay, that brain That's is a bipolar is. brain and that one no, isn't. No one really knows what um,
1: bipolar even is, anyway. Mm. I mean, some of the patients at the time that. <laughs> So, where I was being treated, they had the bums, the glums, and the tums. So the bums were the alcoholics, right. yeah. the uh, the alcoholics and drug takers. The glums, the bum, no, the bums, the glums were the depressives. So I was one of the glums, and the tums were people with eating disorders. So there were like these three. Did you
0: name these? or? Oh, no, I did. <laughs> Whose naming did these? I did not, but yeah. that
1: was like the nickname that everyone oh was given. God. So it was like given those three categories. And I was like, fuck, am I, am I you know, in that kind of category? But I met an awful lot of people. And some people who I met in that particular environment had been there for eight years. Wow. And as inpatients. Yeah. So they lived in a hospital for eight years and I thought remember that was a big part of me, I think wanting to get better was like, I don't want to be here
0: yeah, for wow.
1: eight years. Cause can you even say that someone's being treated? Do you know they still do electric yeah. shock therapy?
0: Yeah, I think it's very, very last resort stuff. It's last resort it's last stuff, resort right? stuff yeah. but
1: a lot of people there were were having that done as well. And so we were being like, Whoa. And you know, by by all accounts, it's like it is effective for certain treatments and stuff.
0: But yeah, I think there's a famous anecdotal thing about Carrie Fisher would elect to have it really? every six months or something. I um, love Carrie Fisher. Yeah, um,
1: she'd elect to have it.
0: Yeah, I think Crikey. there would Yeah, I mean, we can fact check that, but I'm I'm yeah. pretty sure that was because I know it, it really is
1: like to reprogram sort of. Pathways between yeah, yeah it's neurons like, or neurons. or Yeah, and I imagine
0: if that is genuinely the thing that's going wrong, that it would have some efficacy. But does that make it a, a good treatment? I don't know. I don't yeah, know if you have to identify another, that that's the
1: thing that's wrong first.
0: I'm sure it is very last resort. I mean, my granddad had it really? a lot back in... Many, many years ago. Yeah, um, back when it
1: was probably still...
0: Before, you know, long before I was born. But, as regulated. Uh, yeah. I don't know that much about because the family don't like to talk too much about yeah, it. Yeah, this is
1: the thing. We try um, and find out our family history, but then there's a kind of, oh, you know, we don't really talk about that. Or mm. they don't know because their ancest- ancestors, their you know, grandparents, whatever, didn't speak about it either. Yeah. There was one thing that I did learn when I was in that particular place sort of being treated, as it were, um, was that depression was explained to me as grief. Right. So this particular uh, counsellor said, look, all depression is a form of grief. Right. So you are grieving for something that is no longer there. So you can be grieving for a person, Mm -hmm. like an actual death of a person, or the death of a relationship you know that is a form of of grief you know something that's not no longer there losing a job losing something it was this idea that grief is losing something it doesn't have to necessarily be something has died but it's just no longer there yeah
0: yeah. and that
1: that was what sparked depression i found that really interesting and she said that the difference between depression and anxiety which is the two things that i suffered with or struggled with was that Depression is grief over something that has already happened, mm-hmm. and anxiety is grief over something that hasn't happened yet. Right. Yeah. So you're constantly fearing grief. It's like, uh, uh, ah, yeah, yeah. Or preparing yourself to be in a state of grief.
0: That is interesting. Very interesting. It's it's interesting as well because um, uh, I was trying to explain to a doctor maybe ten days ago about oh, my really? own anxiety issues. And how I genuinely feel like I am free from worry. Mm. I don't worry about anything to a fault. Like I can't worry. I find it impossible to worry about specific like those exact things. the the normal the normal mm. nature of anxiety is Oh my God, what if this inescapable thing happens in the future? Or what if these sure, things but happen? it's
1: like a specific thing.
0: So like I don't worry about anything in that traditional sense, but if uh, if my phone rings, I cannot cope.
1: I remember, yeah, because you're like, text me, never, never call me. Yeah, never, Just never call me. me. Never, never ever call me.
0: Call me. Um, yeah, like it's a, but to a debilitating impending doom but it's not even that would suggest that there is some logical outcome of that like my phone rings and my i should measure it sometime. my heart rate will just skyrocket what are, you, sweat. are you
1: thinking of something that that could be no it's just like phone there's ringing. no conscious I wonder thing. something like a phone rang when you were a kid and something
0: i used to love the phone when i was a kid i used to <laughs> oh bloody God. love it i used to phone on my
1: friends you, oh my it's god it's like bad news I know I've panicked whenever my mum calls me or my dad because I'm yeah. like it's just, someone's dead I don't even know what it
0: is like I don't know but it is but that's one of some things but it's a really hard one to explain where it's like because I get that that thing of like grief about what might happen
1: yeah but, but you just mine have mine doesn't
0: feel like I non-specific can put a, yeah
1: I can't that's interesting to
0: put a thing on it just
1: like what I guess I would say
0: about both of those conditions for want of a better word is they don't for me uh equal unhappiness no i think they're not intrinsically linked
1: no you can be i feel like you can be happy and anxious you can be happy and depressed weirdly even though that doesn't seem to go together but someone else another doctor i think explained to me about um happiness and sadness he's like sadness is yeah actually this doctor said to me that you know sadness is normal and is healthy but depression is not healthy and I get that to a certain degree I think prolonged periods of depression are unhealthy Mm -hmm. but I think often sadness leads into depression because we don't know how to deal with sadness yeah, yeah. You know, if we could actually just go, okay, today, because I have good days and bad days, I'll have days where I don't want to do anything at all. And then I you want to have... But when we experience happy days, and you know what it's like, sometimes you grieve for the days where you don't feel yeah, like that. Yeah. And I want to... Every day I want to get up and I want to be like being productive. Do you know what the weird? My hang-up is texting people back.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: If I don't know specifically, unless it's like something that... I'm doing that day or making plans or whatever. I will sit like one of my friends is traveling at the moment, and she must have texted me like four months ago. I don't know exactly what the text said. I know exactly (laughs) how I'm going to answer, but I just and I'm like, I'll do it tonight. I'll do it tomorrow. What is this mental block in my head that I'm like? Just write the message. Just write the message and send it. It'll take 10 seconds. And instead I just look at like clips of the Kardashians on Instagram. I'm probably the same if I don't get
0: back to someone immediately. I feel like the moment's gone and then you have to get back to the moment so much more. Yeah. It has to be so much more. And then you have to like, is the apology for the delay sincere enough? (laughs) I know. So like, oh no, I didn't text that guy back.
1: No, I need to apologize. Right about then, not yesterday. Back, so now, how do thing? I apologize
0: yeah. in a sincere enough way? And they're just going, Oh, I forgot I text him. Yes. Maybe, oh, maybe they're just it, as anxious about not receiving it. It has
1: built up. Like, I literally haven't. There's like one particular friend who I've not spoken to in two years just because I've ignored it for ages. Now I don't really know how <laughs> to. It. It's not bad. It's bad. But, yeah. um, but then, like,
0: you know, is that like a product of modern culture? Because. Technology moves exponentially. Like it's got so much like communication is so intrinsic to being alive. Sure. Um, And being functional in society right now. That Like when we were kids, it wasn't. Like you could spend hours on the phone to friends maybe. But you could then, like if you didn't go to school with them, you didn't really have to communicate with them. Sure. Or even like... Maybe that's where the anxiety thing comes from. Like, being able to be in touch all the time means that it's weird if you're not yeah. contactable.
1: Yeah. Um. And people seem get a bit offended sometimes. I think.
0: Yeah. They're... Or like re- or genuinely confused by what's mm. gone on. So like, I'll get an email from someone, and if I've not responded in five minutes, I'll get <gasps> two phone calls, which I ignore. You
1: often. would ignore, yeah, of course
0: bad for business um <laughs> i'll get texts to say i've sent you an email yeah like yeah i know yeah i know
1: i've got it just i'm doing a hundred
0: other things yeah, like yeah, yeah. and then i will read it again and properly respond yeah when I've you got don't want something like, to say
1: yeah
0: um and i wonder if just like that level of constant communication being on all the time yeah. if you're susceptible to that being <laughs> causing stress big time is then like Something as simple as a ringing phone, a trigger, yeah.
1: Because
0: also, the thing about the ringing phone is if I miss a call, holy shit, that's even worse.
1: Yeah, because are you <laughs> like, going to call them
0: back? Yeah, like, like, oh my god, I have to call back now. And the oh, I'll call him back. I'll usually call people like three times to call them back, but I'll hang up the first two before it starts ringing.
1: So we have to call you because I'm like,
0: okay, here we go. Here, we-. No, no, before they, they oh. don't even know, so they don't know I've called them three Got times. Got
1: you, okay, but yeah, I'll
0: yeah. be like, oh god, okay, call them back. No, can't do it. Can't do it. Can't oh do it. I need God. to think about how what I say when I get on the phone. But having said all this, I'm not looking for sympathy. I am. You're just a aware happy of it. Person.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but that's what, what I'm kind of saying.
0: Like, I don't feel like these things are intrinsically linked. Like days when I cannot achieve anything, mm. I don't necessarily feel unhappy. No. In the grand scheme. Yeah but I feel physically debilitated. Yeah. And that's that's what I think some people maybe isn't clear about depression. It's not anti-sadness. It's not anti-happiness. No. It's not the opposite. It is
1: just a a state that exists. I believe it exists in everybody. And when I, there's so many people I've met throughout my life, particularly in the last few years when I've been conscious of my own depression. And I've spoken to people about it and they go, oh, it's just, I just don't have it. I just can't identify with it. And I'm like, I immediately hone in on them and I'm like, yeah, but you do. Yeah, yeah. You just don't know it. Yeah. Or oh, And then I've seen them over the few years. I mean, unless i put a curse on them. Uh, one of my ex's dads actually did suggest that I gave him depression as if it was like an STI. Oh, I STD. wish I knew which Sexu- one. Sexually but transmitted depression. Him. You do know yeah. him. Oh, I'll tell I. you later. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I remember his dad was like, "Nicholas, giving you depression." It's like, oh, hon, he's just oh. got a lot of issues he needs to address. But that's another story. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's something that does exist within everybody, and we're at this period in time where, look, six years ago, no one spoke about mental health.
0: Yeah, exactly. At all. Yeah. yeah.
1: Now it's it it's spoken about so much, but we haven't. It's happened at such a fast rate that we haven't really worked out how it works yet yeah. or how to speak about it or what effect that has on other people or our jobs or whatever. So we're still in like baby phase or this toddler phase of knowing what it means because we don't want to jump to a conclusion either that, oh, well, therefore you must have this or you must have that. It is a changeable thing. It's not a definite exactly. diagnosis. It is, yeah.
0: And that's, I think, the struggle with uh, applying healthcare guidelines as they currently are yeah. to it. Those aren't necessarily at fault, but applying that to yeah. because I think there's a, there's a thing like there's a, there's a big thing when you if you need to get time off of work for mental health issues, mm. is most people will still say I've got a migraine or a, hurt my leg rather yeah. than admit. They've got a mental health
1: problems. I, th- I would still do the same, as, yeah, as yeah. much as I, you know, am a mental health awareness advocate. I think, it's, if I'm honest with myself, yeah. I would still go. There's
0: Too many because you have to face too many questions, and when you feel like that, those it, questions it, it, are the hardest. That's
1: yeah, the that's like that phone ringing again. Yeah, and I'm it's like, like and rather, also you'd
0: have to call in. <laughs> oh, oh God, I'd have to call imagine. in and go. Uh, I can't. I can't. I can't face getting out of bed and and like looking another human being in the eye. No, it's not. So i how can I work? I'm not functional to you and your business, just let me stay yeah. home and sort this out and I will and I'll be back tomorrow. But like Thanks, bye. so, you know, from that perspective, like I think we're talking about it more and saying it's a thing like a headache or a broken leg that's an illness and therefore it should be treated in the same way. But does that work? And I'm not sure what the answer is from a treatment perspective, because yeah. when you've got a headache you take uh anti inflammatory or a painkiller of some sort, and yeah, when you've got exactly. a broken leg, they plaster your leg. And there there are guidelines that say this works. Yeah. Right? But those guidelines now apply to okay, we'll we'll start with citalopram and then that's not gonna work necessarily. Citalopram. So we'll move on and we'll start we'll go somewhere stronger. And if that doesn't work And also and it, how you are know, it's judging important what that works. side effects of all antidepressants Oh, depression. depression. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's like, you know, the
1: side effect
0: of a plaster cast is not that your other leg will break. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's such but, a great way of explaining it, yeah. So it's an
0: interesting thing where it's like, okay, we need to, society-wise, we need to talk about these things as, as we talk about physical ailments.
1: Yeah, which is the right thing. Which is good. But, but
0: also, as a healthcare situation... <laughs> It's not as simple as that may be. And I'm not saying that it, it is, Like, but there is definite, I think, a uh, hearty prescription of medication.
1: Yeah, people, are, I've felt that doctors are often quite quick to um, prescribe yeah. medication that is ultimately going to, oh, all antidepressants, yeah, you said the side effect is that you get more depressed, and yeah. say, "Well, if you're thinking about killing yourself, then come back." And it's like, <laughs> there's this—the number of times that I was told by mental health or just health care professionals during my period of being very ill that you're not a priority because you're not suicidal. And I was like, "Are you telling me, essentially, that if I was suicidal?" that I would get help quicker because mm-hmm. that's very dangerous. It's a wow. very, very dangerous message. Yeah, yeah. Um, And they didn't see it like that, but they hadn't seen it from my point of view. If you tell someone who's depressed, oh, look, we'll see you sooner if... And it's like, well, that yeah. should not yeah. be the message. And it isn't. I have, you know, I felt very uh, suicidal, I'd say seven years of my life every single year i've i've had those thoughts and um i understand it you know when we've had to go through period now it's it's something that's spoken about a lot more it's less, much less taboo it's a issue largely amongst men um in the in this country it's a storyline that coronation street actually covered this year right. which is where uh, shane ward's character Aidan connor committed suicide oh shouldn't say committed suicide that's something i've learned it is died by suicide right um or ended their own lives because committed suggests a crime suggests a crime yeah um and so that was a really interesting time to be a part of coronation street because the yeah the charity that we were that the show was working with you know said that there'd been something like 700 percent increase in phone calls which is amazing um for the helpline and stuff but every year yeah. of my life that I felt suicidal I, we spoke about this earlier before we started the podcast was <clears throat> was a year that I was on the pill yeah. and I strongly believe that that was a root cause mm-hmm. of not my depression but that leading to suicidal yeah. thoughts and the fact that I would go to a doctor and say I feel so depressed that I'm having thoughts of suicide and they just went we'll give you a different pill rather yeah. than, hey, let's maybe yeah. stop you on the contraceptive that you're on.
0: And when you think about it, you're like, I am daily consuming medication that changes the fundamental hormonal makeup of my body. Yeah, That it doesn't seem ro- like rocket science to maybe try Just not doing that.
1: take, come off it. All of my oh, female friends... So bad. Um who have been on the pill or, I mean, I I know very few women in my friendship group who are still on the pill. I know one and she wants to come off it, but fears coming off it. Yeah, yeah. There is that fear of, you know, oh, but my skin was terrible. So they Mm -hmm. put me on the pill for acne and it's like, well, you were put on the pill when you were 14. Loads of teenagers (laughs) had acne at 14. You're now, you know, in your late 20s. Maybe just come off it. Yeah, you know that kind of thing. And yeah, I mean the fact that the the trials for the male contraceptive was cancelled because men were experiencing mood swings and suicidal thoughts, and they yeah. didn't want to they didn't want to risk what long term uh, usage would entail. And I'm like, hon, I was on the pill for like ten fucking years. Yeah. yeah, and I was telling doctors every year I feel suicidal, I feel depressed, and they'd go, it's fine. Yeah, it's nothing to do with the pill.
0: There's almost an analogy with that, with cigarettes, in a weird way. Mm. But the difference is that cigarettes are actively not promoted. Because I think if you go, oh, they like, used to be when cigarettes were out, they mm. were used. They were used in healthcare. They were used for asthmatics. Yeah, they were used. They were absolutely like fine. And then people went, oh shit they're killing everyone, right? Yeah. So then over a long period of time, it's now got to a point where really it's kind of like, you don't, come on, don't smoke. Like I don't think kids really take up smoking anywhere near the rate that they did when no, we were course. kids. Definitely like.
1: Not when our parents were kids. Yeah. No, and even, yeah, so
0: that's going away. And I think in 100 years, that just won't be a yeah. thing probably. Yeah,
1: vaping will be. Yeah,
0: maybe, concept, yeah. but then if they work out that. But it's almost like saying, well, because the pill came out, in the 60s or late 50s, right? So they're going, well, we're kind of... It's almost something where they've gone, oh, well, we see that this has these effects. And now that we've seen that it also has those effects in men, so let's just not do it because we've learnt the lesson with the female pill. Right. The difference is they're not stopping the female (laughs) pill being a thing.
1: Exactly.
0: So that's that's where it's like... I think there is an analogy there where it's like we've learnt from a mistake. um,
1: But we can't admit...
0: But we can't actually. But we're not trying to fix the mistake. We're just trying to not make another. Not one. Not
1: make another one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The original one can stay yeah. because people have put up with it for so long.
0: But I do feel, unfortunately, that if it was a gender reversal on that, mm. that the male, if the male pill come along first, that mistake probably would have been rectified sooner. Yeah, much but. much
1: sooner. Because it's all. I wish it wasn't the case. I know you and true. me
0: both. Yeah. Um, I I have to wrap up because I have to go. Oh. I'm so busy today. It's so but, lovely um, to
1: talk.
0: Yeah, it's really been nice. Massive... And I feel like we've like nailed happiness, but that's kind of the point. That's it's the like, point. It's just a good jumping off point for like, hey, how I just really want to like ask people how they are on microphones. That's so lovely. Um w- My final question would be do you think happiness is something you can define? And if you do, what is it?
1: Oh, God, I can't define it. I can I can maybe try to describe the feeling. Mm-hmm. For me, it it is um like a kind of it's the, the kind of cliched thing of like this this warm, buzzy feeling in my chest. But also I find happiness sometimes at nighttime when I'm in bed. And I've had a good day and I've done things that I wanted to do. I know what's happening. I feel like at peace and that all is well. And that sort of washes over me. And that to me is happiness. But I guess something that I've discovered over the the past few years is, is feeling independent. Right. Has led to my happiness, being happy with myself. Because I don't feel like you can be happy with other people be that in a relationship with your family with work colleagues or whatever unless you are happy with yourself because you end up projecting
0: that is fantastic <laughs> as a final thought from you <laughs> and I wish I didn't have to go because I we could just dis- totally disagree with that Oh really um like okay not to get too personal about but like I am so happy with my wife Yeah and my cats, and like a whole bunch of things. My family, like they make mm. me really—they make me feel very happy. Um, they make me even happier when they're happy sure. in themselves. Do do I have any respect for who I am? Not at all. Like, there's nothing about there's nothing about the internal me yeah. that like is is something that I be pleased with or you know the way I look or anything like that right. nothing about me that I'm pleased with yeah but they're awesome and that makes me happy
1: well obviously <laughs> you're ridiculous for thinking that well that's but nice. I respect the fact that you think that because irrational thoughts are what make us who we are but it <laughs> is an irrational thought um but yeah I guess that's that's a life ex- experience thing because I was yeah, I've only ever really found happiness, I think, when I found it myself because I don't have cat well, I've never had cats and a partner. It's the cats. It must it's be the, the cats. It's cats, right? the goddamn yeah. cats. Yeah. Like I've never I've I've never had anything other than my fat like my family and my my friends, I guess, um that could def- define my happiness in this in the same way. But now I have it within myself. I'm a bit more wary of people, I think, because now I'm like, Mm. like, I'm cool. I got me down. (laughs) Who's going to shake this? Like, I don't want anyone to rock the boat. So I can certainly be a bit, maybe a bit more difficult in letting people in now. Whereas before I was like, anybody come in? Anyone come
0: in and make me happy. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that's good. And I think what's great is that in episode one of this, Discovery mm. podcast, <laughs> we've solved happiness. Yeah, you either have to be really happy in yourself or get cats. Yeah, <laughs> and if it starts to dip, just get more cats. So I'm on more, three at the moment, cats. but you never know. I think that's good. Um, thank you so much for doing this podcast, that's a pleasure. our first ever episode. Yeah. It's really exciting.
1: I hope it wasn't dull.